hey dude, no one cares about all that. No one feels sorry for you because there's someone else who doesn't feel sorry for himself out there and they're working. And if you want to be a football player, then put the um, Xbox controller down and go and, and do a couple football drills. And if you want to be a EA sport dude and ball on the online and with Xbox, then dude, mold that craft. But a lot of, um, a lot of these kids, if they want to, if they want to be that, hey, they're sacrificed because no one, no one really cares about all the sobbing and all that. Because at the end of the day, the best is gonna play. All right, everybody, we appreciate you tuning in to another episode of Vail Media's Now You Know podcast. Uh, today we have a uh, another special guest. He's one of our local celebrities and and athletes that uh, that made it out of Utah to represent. Um, our beautiful and wonderful state. Um, please help me welcome uh, Harvey Lange, uh of the New York Jets with us today. Harvey, thanks for being here. Yo, man. yo, yo, yo. Thank you. Well, how, well, appreciate it. Dude, no no problem, man. <clears throat> I think uh, for, for those, and, and you're one of those ones, and we kind of talked about this before, that, uh, that a lot of people kind of recognize. You're kind of one of the names that have stuck around in terms of... Um, Notoriety, or even uh, somewhat of a celebrity status, even uh, in terms of, of Utah, and uh, and then even more specifically Utah athletics. Um, what's that like, man? Even even before, just for the listeners, before we even started, we had even a, a couple people come in here asking for pictures, and which is kind of cool because I like to just side bust and pretend like maybe I have something <laughs> to do with that. <laughs> but 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 what what's that like for you, man? That's that's kind of a normal day for you. Uh, it's first off, I don't think I'm a celebrity at all. I'm the yeah. same. I'm the same as anybody else. Um, but with the question that you asked, it's it's awesome, man. It's uh, always good to um, have a platform which everyone does. And um, I think as a as a young kid and growing up and having that opportunities like um, there's a documentary. Um, it was directed by uh, Tony Vinuku and Erica and these guys started that documentary which followed four Polynesians, me, two brothers from Hunter, and another dude from um, um, from Highland um, High. And all of us got in this documentary, and I think that documentary helped, you know, get my name out there. And of course, um, the running back of a football team is always the dude that can touch the ball and all that, so and Bingham was, was coming up under coach uh, Peck, Dave Peck, and the dynasty of Bingham in Utah started rising, and a lot of a lot of good teams and a lot of individual players came out of that, and I got to um, take on that little dynasty from guys before me, like you know Starlo Thulele, um, Jordan Pendleton. Mm-hmm. You know, my brother was there, Sam Longy. There's a I could sit here and name a bunch of. Um, guys that were in front of me that you know started the Bingham platform which yeah. I got to hop on and um, now um, working my way up and getting to where I'm at now with the New York Jets and all that coming back home yeah people are gonna know that and it's cool and it's great to always take pictures and um, and it's always good to you know say what's up to all the kids and and yeah it's always good to come home too so yeah man well, like I, I think what people um, don't know about, and, and you mentioned your brother Sam, so I, I know Sam really well. Um, uh, but you, you're, you, you, Bingham has a dynasty for sure. I was there, kind of at the start of that one. Star and Sam, maybe started to uh, 
to kind of start this uh, dynasty of, of what would become Bingham football and what that means to the state. Um, but there's also kind of a smaller dynasty in a, in a tighter circle, and that's within your family. You kind of come from you have a you have a big family, you have a lot of siblings, and from top to bottom, you have uh, the athletic gene just ran really strong within your family, right? You have your older brother that played, and you have a bunch of little brothers that played, uh, and all really they all play it at a really high level, right? Yeah, and. That's always been super awesome because, yeah, like you said, one of ten kids. I'm the second oldest. We had nine. All nine of us come from um, my mom, and then we adopted um, my brother David um, later on when I was a sophomore, junior in high school. Um, so I'm one of yeah, seven boys and three girls. All of us play sports, multiple sports. Funny little side note fact, we all started with golf first, so golf was our very first sport. Nice. Shout out to the Finale, shout out to Tony, keep doing your yep. thing. Yep. Um, um, but yeah, um, it's always cool to come with that, come with the big family and, and a lot of brothers because there's just competition in everything. The way you, you know, if you're trying to finish your bowl of cereal first, yep. you know, you're trying to be the first one to get to school, you're trying to be the first one to get home, you want to be the first one um, to get shotgun, you, like there's just a bunch of like small little competitions that just builds that competitiveness in all all of us brothers and even my sisters. All of them played sports too, and I just think um, coming with a big family like that and having those small little competitions every single day of your life and knowing that it's a competition, even though it's not a competition, really helped me out for sure. Man, that's that's uh, that's incredible, and it's I think unique. Uh, you mean because I think everybody has maybe like the athletic brother or the athletic sister in the family, but it's it's uh, I think it's unique to your family to kind of have it run from 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 the top all the way to the bottom. For for those that don't know, we just mentioned that that uh, you currently you are a member of the New York Jets in the NFL. Uh, you also previously played for uh, the New England Patriots, and you're approaching your fifth year. Fourth. Fourth this, year. Yeah, this will be my fourth year. Fourth year in the NFL. Now. We'll, we'll circle back to that eventually, but um, if we kind of rewind it back to the beginning when, when you were a kid, uh, maybe before, you mean the rest of, if you're number two of ten, um, before, you mean all the rest of your siblings, what, what kind of kid were you growing up? Did you, did you know really young that you were uh, kind of an athletic kid or did it kind of develop later? Um, tell us about how you grew up. Um, yeah, we grew up and we started off in Kearns. Um, my parents actually started off in Hawaii, and then they worked their way to Cali and then California to Utah um, and in the early 90s. And um, we ended up in Utah, and we started out in Kearns. And from Kearns, we worked our way to West Jordan, to West Jordan, to another part of West Jordan. Um, so West Jordan to probably Copper Hills, and then Copper Hills, which is another part of West Jordan, to South Jordan. And that's where we, we stayed, and we still are. Um, but growing up, I was the second oldest, so I always had a, a lot of responsibility. But of course, if it if it could get ran down the line, be like, "Hey, Harvey, take out the trash." Hey, Paul, take out the trash. Dan, you know, and it, and it goes all. Yeah. yeah, if it can get sent down the line, I'm sending it down the line. Right. But if it's hey, watch your brother. I'm like, dang. Yeah. I gotta watch my brother because you know Sam's gonna dip out and go do his thing. Uh-huh. Um, so there's always you know we always had to grow up just taking care of ourselves and being independent because my mom always worked two or three jobs my dad worked two or three jobs if we had any free time we were um, in that truck helping my dad or 
um, doing whatever we had to do at home. We had to learn how to drive early age. You know, I know there's an age limit and that's 16, which everyone should drive. But man, I was I was taught to drive and function a car by age 10, 12, uh, 10 to 11 to 12, um, just in case situations happened or if I just wanted to go to the neighborhood Walmart that was two streets down, I'd just, you know, go and grab groceries for the kids or whatever it was. How old were you? You know, I'm telling you, uh, 12 years old was like the Driving time where I the- for sure knew how to function a full car. And those were the co- the, the coolest things growing up. Um, we grew up with no money. We grew up with nothing. Um, it was tough because we all shared the same stuff, the, share- the same blankets, the- all that. But um, going back to your question, nah, man, I... I didn't think I was crazy athletic or anything. I knew I was faster and I knew I was a little bit stronger than some of the other guys, but um, like in my classes or at recess or whatever like that. But I always knew like, man, sports is whatever. Like I like it, it's super fun. I get to see my friends and go play ball. But growing up, I was more of, I want to be outside, try to build some, you know, go get into stuff like, um, I guess I was like a, a little crybaby, stubborn one, everyone always says, out of my family, which they always still make fun of me now. But um, other than that, like, my childhood was, man, it was a grind. It was times where we got, you know, victim let, uh, letters that say, hey, we're going to kick you out of your home. There was times where we had no furniture, zero furniture growing up, and all we had was a couple of... Uh, waterproof mattresses, about like six waterproof mattresses that all we had was that. Um, I remember going in and out of my grandma's house, living in the basement. Um, So, you know, uh, money wasn't ever our thing, but we were super tight and super, our family was everything to us. And all my brothers and sisters were everything to me because they're my best friends. Those are the guys I hung out with every day. Um, So growing up, I I could say, man, it it was dope growing up in in those cities and growing up with a, a huge family and, and starting out the way we started and it made me who I am, but for sure not the most athletic guy out of all the seven brothers. Like I, sports was not my thing, yeah. That's funny that you bring that up because I think that, that would be hard to believe, right, for, for everyone that looks at you today. Um, but uh, but I, I heard, and I don't know if this is true, you can verify if this is true, but when you were younger, uh, I. You, you actually wanted to be a chef, is that right? I wanted to be a chef. I wanted to be like an artist. Um, like I wanted to make, create. Um, yeah, I, chef was for sure one of the top things or uh, be a, a scientist. I love science. Like, I'm, I don't know, when you write. But the crazy thing is when I did get that paper in elementary, that, that first day paper you get from your teacher and it's like, what's your name? How many siblings? What do you want to be when you grow up? I always put NFL player on there. Uh-huh. So it's crazy that I talk about that. All my interests weren't football, and it wasn't. But I guess um, there was something in football that just like I was attracted to because every single time, um, and thinking of it now, I think I might have found the answer to that. But every time I had that paper in first grade, second grade, third grade, in the first day of school, I always put um, NFL player on that thing. And it's crazy because if you talk to all my brothers and sisters, I was always out and about doing everything but playing football, you know? So, Yeah, that's cool, man. When uh, when do you think it was that you realized that uh, that you have a, a future in the sport? Was it 
You mean kind of in your teenage years when maybe when the documentary came about? When for you when when did you think you wanted to kind of button down and focus on on it? Man, I I would say probably my sophomore year. My sophomore year is probably when I knew. But growing up and when we moved from Copper Hills to South Jordan, South Jordan's in the boundaries where Bingham High is and Bingham Little League is. So I had two more years of Little League before I got an opportunity to try out as a freshman on the sophomore team as a high school player, be a high school player. And the time that I played at Copper Hills and then the time that I played in Little League, Pop Warner, um, Bingham, I knew, man, me and my me and my, my dogs, like, I had, you know, a couple guys that, you know, Kesney Tausinga, Manoa Pikula, some of these guys that I played with, uh, uh, Jordan Hicks, uh, Stephen Cantwell, man, I could sit here and name all you guys. Um, we, we knew we were good because we just were killing kids. And I knew, man, like, we're a super good team. And we haven't, we don't lose. Um, we ball out every game. We go to uh, Las Vegas every year as a Pop Warner team and kill every team that goes over there. I'm like, man, this is dope. But I knew that um, in Pop Warner, weight is an issue. And I was always overweight, so I played offense and defensive line the whole time. And I just, the time of knowing, like, dang, I'm about to get to high school or get the opportunity to try out. What position do I want to be? Because I do not want to play offense and defensive line. (laughs) And that's where things got great, because I'm like, dang, I've never played these positions ever, you know? And... When I finally got to those, the opportunity to uh, to choose a position and to you know work really hard to craft and mold in that position, I figured out, man, I could I could do this, you know. What's your advice to to maybe the younger listeners, right, who who are listening and and maybe or maybe you're just kind of an aspiring athlete or you've never tried football or, or whatever, but uh, what's your advice to them? When, when you're kind of getting to this level of high school, which is which is a different level in its own right, yeah. uh, from kind of Little League, Pop Warner type stuff, um, what would you say to the person who has anxiety over what position should I play? Am I, am I good enough to to try to run the ball? I've only been a lineman my whole life. Um, what's, your, what's your words of wisdom for them? You got to, first off, my words of wisdom would probably be no one feels sorry for you, dude. Like nobody no one feels sorry for you and that's super harsh but I feel like that is something I've been really telling myself these past couple years in the NFL but if I could have told myself that back then I would have for sure taken it a little bit more serious but then there's another part of the perspective you got to almost flip the script and think man these kids these kids are kids when I'm out there training every day at different fields right now and they're during this offseason I see a bunch of kids getting trained by their pops or so-and-so who played or somebody who's playing right now and I'm just like man that kid's a kid like why can't he go and have those experiences like you know at me as a kid we just walk over to hostess store with the pocket of change and throw it on the counter hey what can we get for that you know go buy a pizza at Little Caesars and go (laughs) sit at a park and eat and it's crazy because the world is different now and it's a little bit more dangerous but if football is your thing and you do have that anxiety and you do have that type of all these questionings and, and, and things that are attacking you mentally, the biggest thing that I wish I told myself is, hey, dude, no one cares about all that. No one feels sorry for you because there's someone else who doesn't feel sorry for himself out there and they're working. 
And if you want to be a football player, then put the um, Xbox controller down and go and, and do a couple football drills. And if you want to be a EA sport dude and ball on the online and with Xbox, then dude, mold that craft. But a lot of um, a lot of these kids, if they want to, if they want to be that, hey, they're sacrificed because no one no one really cares about all the sobbing and all that. Because at the end of the day, the best is gonna play. Um, man, that rhyme, we might, know, we might have to, <laughs> add some music yeah. to that one. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, so my, yeah, my advice would be like, get out there and work, man. Um, and it's super blunt and it's super real and raw, but that's the, that's the truth and sacrifice, um, the things that, that are taking the time away from whatever that, that profession is going to be, especially if it's sports. Sports is all about crafting and reps and reps and reps and reps and, um, I'm going through that right now as being a defensive player when I played offense my whole life. So, um, yeah, so that that's probably probably be my words of advice. Just work, man. But, yeah. No, I think that I, I appreciate that because I think while, while we're talking about sports and maybe to, to young kids, I think the same principles apply to, to life, right? If you're a young techie trying to get into a, a tech company and, and excel there, the same the same principle applies, man. Don't worry about don't worry about what everybody thinks. Don't worry about your hurt feelings. Yeah. Just get up and grind. Exactly. You can control a lot of things. Um, that's where, you know, stand where your feet are, wherever your feet are, wherever you can control where your feet are. If it's, um, you know, in a dinky, beat up uh, field and that's all you got, hey, you can control still doing drills and still doing conditioning. And, hey, you know, it could be worse. And Yeah. Um, if you have nothing and you just have asphalt and concrete, man, hey, get out there and that concrete ain't going to hurt you. Get out there and start doing the things that you got to do to craft and to yeah. mold. So um, just takes that. Yeah, man, I, I appreciate you sharing that. I kind of <clears throat> want to come back to um, maybe back to your your upbringing because um, I think a lot of people might, might look at your family and, and hear, dang, they have like a bunch of brothers that played, you know what I mean, at, at a bunch of D1 colleges and and uh, they're just a really athletic family. But uh, sports, it seems, and, and I heard you speak about this on another interview, um, sports kind of carried a, a, a there, it was deeper than I think what it typically was to, to other families. I, in another interview, you mentioned how this was, uh, it, it was drilled into you and, and your family that, that uh, sports is, is a way to get college paid for. And it was, it was real life pressure. It wasn't just like, hey, if you do if you do your best, you know what I mean, hopefully you can make it. There was real pressure put on to you at a young age, and, and it sounds like to the rest of your family that, uh, hey, sports is going to be the, the, the way that you're going to, you mean, get your life to the next level in terms of education and, and after that. Um, can you speak to that a little bit more? Yeah, 100%. So when I told you earlier, I thought I found the answer of why I always wrote NFL when I wasn't ever doing football things on those sheets that I got the first day of school in elementary. <clears throat> That's the answer. As a young kid um, growing up in a Polynesian family that came here to America for opportunity, my parents understood that when you come here, it's going to be tougher on us because we're not from here. Second and second. Um, they have to start from the ground up. They don't understand none of the culture. They don't understand none of the government. They don't understand benefits, insurance, you name it. They don't understand it, but they understood one thing. They understood hard work. They understood education, and then they understood sports. And 
a lot of the Polynesian culture and family, they say education first, but everyone knew or knows, um, you know, the Polynesian people were very strong, were very hardworking. We give everything we got to whatever it is, um, whatever the case is, it's not even just sports. And and I think they all came here and understood, man, sports is something that can get us free education. It can get you a lot of money. It can get you an, a place and give you opportunity to do what you really want to do in this in this uh, um, in America. And my mom and dad, for sure, when we were kids growing up, like I said, we started playing golf around, um, you know, kindergarten um, earlier than that, just uh going up to my uncle's house and just in his garage and we were, you know, chipping and putting and 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 they knew like, man, we got to figure out which sport is is the sport for each of our, our kids here that can give them the opportunity to go and have a higher education, which doesn't mean that you can't get that um, without it. You can get it through academics and all that. But with the knowledge of them knowing that we came for, to this continent and to this place of opportunity, the the land of the milk and honey, we are still unfamiliar of it. And all we do know is hard work and working out and giving everything we got. And that's all they knew. And they understand that sports, you can do that and just go out there and work really hard and try your very best and just keep keep going and keep going. And hopefully you can get that opportunity. And um, they that was the the route and the route that they wanted us to to go through and and I guess that was the reason why I put all those down is because at home when we'd have our little family meetings you know family home evenings once a week my dad and mom when it was their turn to speak they said hey you need to find you a sport that you really like and we need to really sign you guys up for so you guys can be very good at that so you can earn a scholarship and I always remember hearing that word scholarship 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 so yeah there were some uh, meetings where my mom would come up with you know that's in the documentary man uh, the video and in, in football we trust um, you can find it on Hulu you can find it anywhere if, online if you just look it up <clears throat> the name is in football we trust where my mom would bring posters to our family meetings and the posters would just have a number on it and my mom would be like, if somebody came and gave you $370,000, Harvey, would you take it? And I said, yeah, of course I'll take it. And she's like, well, what if Stanford came over and gave you $375? Because that was a four-year scholarship or something. She would always like calculate it. I'm just saying numbers. But it right. was, she would calculate it and have that number down. And she's like, if Stanford gave you this money, would you take it? And I said, yes, I would take it. And she's like, all right, Daniel, Paul, Dongi, Lolani. Would you guys take this V like and just go down the line and she and she would always teach us like, all right, what are some things that will take this away from you and just start ripping it in pieces and stuff like that. As a little kid, that's tough. You don't understand like that's what we went through. And it's okay, it's cool to talk about it now because I'm like, dang, that's a lot of pressure as a kid. Um, and I didn't think it was pressure at the time until things started getting pretty, you know, and serious with uh, football. But that was the type of mentality that my parents and the type of, um, hey, this is the way we're going we're gonna to get you guys to college. Mm -hmm. I can't pay for you guys. I can rarely even pay for our, our mortgage. Right. So you guys find out what you guys love and what you guys are good at in sports, and you're going to work your butt off and you're going to get a scholarship because we can't get that unless you want to just work, labor all day, every day like, like me and your dad. 
and that was the that was the dang i better freaking start being good at sports you yeah. know so well it, it seems like it's almost a, a survival mechanism right where maybe the the traditional american family might might view sports as uh, extracurricular or, or recreational, you know I mean, at most, right? Like just, oh, that's how I'm just going to get my heart rate for up for X amount of time. It was uh, it, it was just a, a means to survive, not just then, but, but for the futures. And I, and I think um, when, you, when, when you look back now, are you grateful for that? Because I think, you know I mean, now, now that all that hard work and, and all that pressure that, that you and your siblings had to push through, maybe at a younger age that a lot of kids didn't have to, I mean, the result is, you know, I mean, you have multiple D1 football players and, and just kind of a, a really, you mean, what people would call just athletic family. Um, but I, I don't think maybe people don't see the, you know, I mean, kind of the grind that you know, that, that takes in, in working through that pressure. Are you grateful for, for that looking back now? or A hundred percent. I will never forget the times where – I told my mom where I wanted to be in football and the sacrifices that she put down for me and all my brothers and and the sacrifices they had to do to keep us in pads and keep us in getting all the equipment and all that stuff. That stuff's expensive. And and they learned and they they taught us like, you know, we saw their hustle because they wanted to keep feeding our dreams and even though it was yeah, man, that you can fold, man. Pressure, pressure can fold you, but it can also make diamonds. And that was that was something that I'm a hundred percent grateful for. If if it wasn't that type of pressure on me, there's there's a lot of stereotypical Polynesian, either hard labor job, gang related, um, work at you know whatever it is. And there's certain. Um, labels that were labeled if we don't make it in sports and and um, I'm, I'm super glad that they told us hey don't worry you guys choose whatever you guys want to do and if you guys work really hard and you guys keep doing what you're doing in those sports we'll take care of you guys and um, 100% that's 100% awesome grateful that's awesome to hear that you had that that kind of support and and um, and it's cool to see the results of it now when we circle back to your your high school days, really quickly, when you, I know that you had never ran the ball before, but really quickly, the the state kind of you know what I mean in terms of the high school football audience, right? What was was put on notice? Uh, you know what I mean, hey, there's this young kid over at Bingham High School and uh, who's who's doing really big things, has a really bright future, and you. Uh, really quickly kind of had some notoriety, at, at least locally in, in the athletic world. Um, and uh, for, for maybe for the, the younger athletes now, um, if you had to speak to yourself kind of when, when, when you're in full swing, local, local dude known, everybody knows, hey, there's this big-time football player at Bingham High School. His name's Harvey Lange. And, and, uh, and even today, I, I mentioned to you before earlier today that today I also run into people – some, you know, I mean, elderly people who, who used to watch Bingham games, and and just because I'm Polly, they'll ask if I know. They're like, do you know Harvey? And I'm like, oh yeah. And they're like, he was a heck of a football player. Um, I'm wondering what what you would tell yourself in in how how to deal with kind of a lot of publicity in terms of your age, right? Because, um, and, and especially with social media, right? So there's there's young athletes uh, currently here in Utah still, right, kind of following your same footsteps. 
and uh, and they get a, a lot of attention. And, and sometimes, you know, I mean, these kids are 16 years old. To your point that you brought up earlier, these are kids still yeah. a little bit older, right, teenagers, but they're kids, and, and all of a sudden they get a lot of attention and a lot of, you know I mean, uh, experts, right, air quotes on, on experts saying, hey, this person's going to have this type of future. Um, I, I always wonder about, you mean, the individual themselves, the athlete, and, and how they would deal with kind of that kind of attention that really only a handful of kids have. Yeah. Um, how, what, what would you say to, to yourself back then in dealing with all that? Man, if I almost think that um, now that I'm, I'm older and I, I see it now, um, back then I just blocked it out. A lot of people thought, like, man, he's handling it. Probably, I don't know what people are thinking, but I assume they're saying, oh, he handled it pretty well for a high school kid or whatever. Um, but I didn't handle it well. I didn't want to because I just said, hey, that's that's in the future. I'm going to just do me right now. And I think that's a great mindset to just be where your feet are and work where you're at because all that stuff and all the hype, that's just hype. And you can either fuel the hype, which it's gonna, it could take. A, that's gonna take a you know that's a long road if you want to sit there and keep feeling the hype, or you can just let the hype be and block out that hype and just and just keep working. And that's what I try to do is just live a normal life. And um, the normal life for me was you know I like to hang out with everybody. I like to hang out with the skaters. I like to hang out with the jocks. I like to hang out with everybody. Um, didn't matter what spe- a spectrum of. Uh, social class or the label that you had, I wanted. I kicked it with anyone that I just vibed with, and a lot of people just thought like, "Wow, man, Harv just doesn't want to hang out with us." He didn't love like I, I hung out with the team, of course, but that's just who I was. And if you just be who you are, and you just you you are where your feet are, man, I think that's a great way to take it as a kid. Um, but as I'm older, I'm like, man, maybe I should have embraced the hype more, and just been more open with the media and been more or- open and and in interviews and all that stuff and and build yourself a brand now because you know the ways have changed the internet has evolved just from 10 years Mm -hmm. and social platforms have just made people a lot of money Mm -hmm. Um, and it can also reach to a lot of people and a lot of people are on devices daily which i am too um, um and scrolling and liking and viewing and so now my perspective would probably maybe I would embrace it um, only to only because I know what it can do for for some kid's brand or something like that sure. and some kid's family. You know, um, you might never have to buy cleats because if yeah. you're embracing it, somebody might hey we want to wear our cleats or you might never have to buy water. You know, smart water might be like hey you have. 50,000 views on that. Can you throw smart water in there and you never have to buy water again? So yeah. there's there's a there's a different it's hard to explain that now because of how technology's evolved and how like that answer is, is complicated for yeah. me because if if it was me um again if it happened to me again, I feel like I would still block everything out and just keep my head down and just do what I do. Um, and not let the media change you. And if you feel that hype, you almost got to just live to whatever the media says you are. And and you have to uh, stay consistent with whatever you show on media on social media or else people are going to be like, man, this dude's a fraud. He's a mm-hmm. fake. He'd be showing doing work, 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 work. Man, I saw a couple videos of him uh, doing other things and yeah. eating bad and all that, man. He's a, like – so that's a, complica- that's a complicated question to really think about because of how – 
technology has taken off. Yeah. You know what I mean? So No, I I appreciate your 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 thoughts on that. I think it's that's important to to consider cuz I mean times have changed and they're going to continue to evolve or evolve and I, and uh, it's something that I think our young athletes should be uh mindful of. Yeah. So I would say if you're down to go into the hype and the fire, go and do that. But if not, man, put your head down and work. I would say put your head down and work first. And there's, but there's a lot of people, you know, their, their parents are like, Hey, let's post this. Let's do this. Let's do that. Let's get a brand. Let's do, let's start a training and, and all that. And there's a lot of them out right now. And, um, if that's the road you want to go down, you got to embrace that road and it's going to, man, both roads are tough, but, um, man, I, I could only imagine the, the guys that have to go through that right now, especially with technology and social media. Oh, well, that's, that's, that's wisdom. We appreciate you sharing that. Um, when so you you have a really successful high school career, uh, you have offers from a bunch of schools coming to you, and uh, and you end up going to the university or deciding to go with the University of Utah. Mm-hmm. Um, what what went into your decision to, to to stay local and go to the University of Utah? Because you had, um, you mean a ton of offers from pretty much every school. Um, it was it was complicated. My the very um, the team I did want to go to was Stanford. Stanford was my my school. I just loved it. Uh, my parents loved it, of course, because of the education. We visited Stanford a lot of times. <clears throat> um, but going through high school, <clears throat> excuse me. Um, I did things that I probably should, you know, I was, a, I was a young kid and my older brother and I, we, um, we were getting into things that we shouldn't have been getting into. And I started slacking a little bit. I still graduated with very good grades. Grades wasn't really my thing. I knew how to get good grades. Um, but the off the ball stuff, when I wasn't in football, when I wasn't in school, you know, I was always out and about, I was, um, out late and doing things that I probably shouldn't have been doing. And a lot of uh, the things that I got caught up with in high school started taking away my opportunities, and Stanford was one of those opportunities. Um, Stanford called after an incident with me and the and the police, and um, they said, "Hey, uh, we we are going to take our scholarship away." And um, a couple of other schools um, took away scholarships, and um, that was tough for me. I'm like, "Dang, well, that's my freaking school, and I can't go there." My my mom and dad are pissed at me, and like. Now I got to find me another school, and the University of Utah just got into the Pac, um, the Pac-10, the Pac-12, and um, that's when they started expanding the the Pac. And I'm like, dang, they're going to be going against all the same teams, and they're right here in Utah. Um, that's not a bad deal. And all the other schools had their their um, you know pros and cons of where. Um, of why I should go there and why I shouldn't go there. But it came down to, man, I could ball out in my own city, mm-hmm. have my city behind me, and still ball out against the teams I could have uh, balled out against uh, um, if I was with Stanford. Mm-hmm. So I decided to stay and, and go to the University of Utah. I want to unpack what you what you just said a little bit more, at least principally. So so um, you you had uh, some incidents or, or an incident with the, with the police that kind of took away uh, you mean the, the 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 school that you wanted to go to? Um, are you just lucky that because I feel like there's a lot of kids that you mean have a lot of opportunity in front of them, and then you mean just like you said, kids will be kids, and they kind of find themselves caught up in 
in in uh, you mean a situation that they really don't want to be in. Are you just lucky that you kind of were able to still succeed? You mean, and, and we're speaking in hindsight, looking back now, um, or was there a pivot that you made? Kind of like at that point, you're like, all right, this is uh, you mean, this is it, no more, put my head down and grind type of thing. Um, well, the mindset of football of like grinding was always there, but um, the the being immature and growing up and figuring out life on your own as a kid, especially the way, like I said, we grew up with nothing. Um, you know, my older brothers and I, for fun, would uh, build a huge snow pile and play Royal Rumble off our roof, you know, and throw uh-huh. people off our roof. And uh, we'd go and do other things out in the streets or we'd all go to Kern's Wreck down the road and sneak in and uh, jump in the water and get out. And just we, we had to find ways to hustle because we right. couldn't pay for anything. Um, I, you know, and um, a lot of other ways of getting things and stuff like just growing up, I just didn't I didn't ever have the Nikes or the short or the cool shorts and the cool jeans and the cool shoes and shirts and all that. Um, so growing up in that type of, you know, mindset, like, dang, I never get all that kind of things. Things started uh, developing of, you know, bad habits are developing because I, I found ways to hustle my way around and find ways to finesse my way to those Nikes or or whatever it was um, because I wanted that. I wanted to be a part of the cool kid club. I wanted to not get yelled at, or, I mean, uh, made fun of because I wear my dad's Aloha shirt and K-Swiss is every Friday and Thursday because right. like, that's the only stuff we had in our closet, you yeah. know? Um, so growing up with nothing was, I'm not blaming that that was it, but um, because my parents taught us, of course, you know, doing things against the law isn't the way of doing it, but it was just a way of life for us. Um, and it's so sad to think of it now, but that was just how it was. And then getting older and older and you start understanding other ways to to go have fun and, and to be, you know, you start learning. It's just being a kid and um, your actions are are either going to, you're, you're going to have to pay for the consequences or you're going to be uh, happy and celebrating uh, the consequences. And um, I paid a lot of consequences and, and there's a lot of things that I wish that, you know, I did not get into growing up, but it was the way that um, I was, <laughs> it's the way that I, I was raised and the way I was, not raised, but the way I was growing up. And yeah. it's tough to separate that. Um, all of a sudden, because you want to be a good person to go to um, Stanford or all these places, because that's just um, how it is, I guess. I don't know. It's tough to explain that. No, you're good. I want to I want to kind of come back to you at the University of Utah, because you're you're at the University of Utah briefly. And then kind of three big things happen. In, you mean, not all at once, but you decide to go on a mission. Uh, you come back. And when you come back you switch uh, schools, you, you transfer to BYU, and not only do you transfer to BYU, you start, uh, you decide to play on the other side of the ball, you, yeah. you decide to switch to defense. Yeah. Uh, can you talk about how those three decisions came about in your life journey? Yeah, um, <clears throat> so I did go to the University of Utah. I graduated early at uh, Bingham. Um, I graduated in 2010 and I went right away to the University of Utah. So I'm I'm not even grad I'm pretty much I'm graduated on paper but I'm still like man I'm I'm still in high school my my um, all my buddies and my classmates they still stayed in class for three four months before they graduated but I graduated early went straight to the team because I wanted to start playing 
And the way that I was living off the field before I got there just continued. And when I got more freedom, it just got worse and worse. And um, opportunities started slipping away from me. And um, the opportunity for me to have a starting role and an impact role on the University of Utah team started slipping away because of actions I did off the field. And I started to understand, like, dang, maybe I need to start resetting myself and getting back to my my fundamentals of of, of my religion base. Um, I'm a um, a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter Day Saints, and there's a lot of of um, guidelines and things that you know you're taught within the church and things that help you become you know a responsible man at that age and. I never really took any of those serious. And when I got to that point where I knew like, dang, it's not looking too hot. I keep getting kicked out of the dorms. I keep getting in fights. I keep whatever it is over there. I'm just uh, um, I'm just holding the team back. I need to figure out like who I am again. I almost lost sight of like what who I was and what I wanted. And um, the mission was like, man, I need to maybe reset myself and humble myself and go somewhere out there in the world and just serve for two years and just give everything I got to the people of wherever I land and just serve, serve, serve and let the the fruits of my service just just bless me and help me become the man who I wanted to be. And that was where the decision of me going on a mission was. You know, I was a kid um, when it came to church and my family, I was also the one with my eyes open during the prayer, wanted to leave, (laughs) didn't, you know, didn't want to say my, you know, in our religion, you can bear your testimony on in the podium, um, in church. And I didn't ever want to go bear my testimony. I just wanted to, um, you know, just be me and do me. And um, so when I told my mom that, she was super surprised. And when I went on my mission, it changed my life. I went to, I served in Tampa, Florida, and it was the best two years of my life, for my life. You know, it was, it was a hard two years now, um, but it was the two, it was the two years that were best for my life, and it changed me completely. And it just, I want to say it like opened up my like, like third eye, like opened up the perspective of like, dang, Harvey, what do you want to be in this life? Yeah, and. I wanted to, you know, I wanted to be a, a husband, a father. I wanted to be in the NFL. Um, I wanted to get a good education, which the University of Utah can provide all these things. Um, but I also needed just a structure, a type of honor code, I guess you can say, um, with switching to BYU to just help me stay on this path of, of uh, you know, the spiritual high of, of serving my, my mission. So that was the decision of me going to BYU. I, I never thought of going to BYU ever. It never really crossed my mind ever until about the last month or so of my mission. It, it crossed my mind of switching and going to BYU. And that, that was the decision because I wanted to go to some place that can keep me within the spiritual guideline, that the spiritual high that I've been, which you can get it anywhere. You can still get it at the University of Utah. You can still get it at Stanford. But BYU is a private school that's owned by our church. Mm-hmm. And I knew that I'd have to live the standards there, um, just like the standards I'm living on my on my mission. And I also knew, uh, you know, women that go there and men that go there are, are they want to go there also for a good education, but also to find a, a companion, a wife, a husband, a spouse. And I wanted that. Um, so things started clicking for me with all the goals coming back home from my mission and it all lined up like maybe I should just go to BYU. And when I did that, um, I also looked at the football side of things because one of my biggest goals um, 
off my mission was to make it into the NFL. I didn't care how or when I was going to make it. And I started understanding. I know we discussed this before um, this. We started the podcast, but statistically, Polynesians are known as D linemen, linebackers. You know, we're known as offensive linemen. You know, quarterbacks are coming up now, but we're known as D linemen and linebackers, majority in the league. And we have a couple of running backs that have made it through the league. Shout out to them, you know, like Matt Asiata and Roy Hellu that got to stay running backs and some other offensive or returners, you know, Reno Mahe and, uh, you know, um, Sakahema. Like, there's a bunch of them. And, um, but, it's a very, very slim chance of you being a Polynesian running back um, in the NFL due to the type that they look for. And I'm not saying that you can't break that, but I decided, you know what, why not go with the, if my chance of winning the lottery was 30% and then my chance of winning the lottery with another machine was 0%, like I'm going with the 30%, you know, like I'm going to I'm going to hit that slot instead of hit the the penny slot over there that's like 0%. Mm-hmm. And that's where my my thought process was is maybe I switch over to defense because if I get to the league I'm 62 and a half 200, you know, 25 pounds, 230 pounds. These guys can easily be like, "Man, that could be a good fullback or linebacker there, whatever it was." And maybe that's not the case. Maybe I go out there and I killed it, but my thought process was how about go with the statistics and go with stack the odds yeah, in your favor. Yeah, I want all the odds because that's the, my number one goal. My number one goal is to go to the NFL. And if this is the biggest chance for me to get there, let's ride. Like, I'm going. That's me. So those were the the three reasons why for those those three um, decisions. Oh, that's awesome. I appreciate you sharing that too. And I think that's um, – and, and we – I know I kind of asked you this before, but just so that we can get it on record – when you look back, because and and I think it also speaks to your 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 athletic ability. You played offense your whole high school career, and that's what you wanted to do. And then for the first, and you had never played linebacker because even in Pop Warner, you were a defensive lineman, right? Yeah. And so uh, you switched to linebacker. The you know I mean the second at the back end of of your collegiate career. Um, and you and we know now, obviously, that you that you still make it to the league. Um, but uh, when you look back, do you wish that you would have focused more on defense uh, in high school and, and maybe kind of started developing those skills earlier? No, I think one of my biggest regrets is switching positions. I 100% get that feeling in my gut every time I see um, uh, a good a good. Um, play off the offense if a running back grabs it just breaks tackles and starts breaking ankles and scores man I'm just like man that is that's football to me because like I'm um, watching my older brother Sam he had a huge impact in my life um you know that's my that's my dog and and he was a running back his whole life and he's a smaller one of us of out of the seven um and he always made weight, so he was always a running back. So we always got to watch this dude score and break break uh, tackles and breaking ankles. And I'm just like, man, that's what I want to do. Um, so I think, yeah, that's that's probably my biggest regret is switching positions because, man, I love that. Like I loved it. Um, but I, like I said, I wanted to stack every every chip. I wanted to, I wanted to take everything I can and make sure that there was no regret of, man, the NFL is the number one goal for me. If I'm a long snapper. I'm a wide receiver, whatever it was, um, the biggest chance was a linebacker for me. And I knew that that was the biggest chance that I can get in there and stick in there and stay in there. Um, I'm going to get to the NFL. 
Uh, so, no, I don't really. Man, being a running back growing up uh, in freshman year all the way till my sophomore year in college, that was the best, that was the best football for me because I loved it. That was just my thing. So not really caring about going back and switching up and doing all that. Cool. Well, um, so if we follow the the timeline of your career, so you have a really successful career as a linebacker, and even towards the end at BYU, Kalani's first year, you came in, and you mentioned that you even started playing defensive end, mm-hmm. which is uh, appealing to, you know what I mean, obviously uh, scouts in the NFL, right, so seeing someone who has – you mean who's multifaceted and can do a lot of things on the defensive side of the ball. Um, And then you end up going to uh, the New England Patriots. And I think uh, I want to spend a little bit of time on on the Patriots just because um, we'll we'll go into kind of uh, a big event that happened. But uh, before that, um, for for anyone that's familiar with uh, the NFL and uh, football in general, the Patriots have kind of a reputation that precedes them, right? If um, they have arguably one of the best coaches uh, to ever do it in Bill Belichick, um, what uh, what was what was your experience in? And this is more for maybe the sports guy in me, or, or for the, for the listeners that just kind of want to know, like if we could be a fly in the wall, a fly on the wall inside the Patriots team room or locker room, uh, what what's it like uh, to work? Uh, in that kind of environment. And, and obviously we'll talk about the Jets later, but the Patriots kind of seem to have kind of like that, uh, oh, I heard this, I heard Bill's this guy, or I heard, you know what I mean, did you see Tom Brady? You know what I mean? Um, speak a, bit, a little bit about your experience uh, in New England. Yeah, um, so switching over the D end, like you said, it, I was very diverse. I could run the ball. I could play linebacker. I can play D end, but I couldn't craft on one one position. So I thought it was going to help me in the draft, um, but if I would have left, I guess earlier that could have I could have actually been drafted. I was undrafted, which I would never change it now, um, because it just kept a chip on my sh- a chip on my shoulder that I've already had, just made it even bigger because I just have to keep on proving um, others. I mean, everyone else, and just keep proving to myself that I do belong. Um, so switching over to DN was tough. Um, but of course, um, I would I wouldn't change a thing. Um, that was one of you know arguably one of my favorite seasons of football was my senior year at BYU. Shout out to the Cougs. Good luck um, this upcoming season if there is a season. <clears throat> but I was undrafted. Draft day sucked for me because of course you want to hear your name on there. But like I said, it built a chip on my shoulder that was already there. Like all right, these guys don't don't want to believe in me again. All right, I got to do this again. So. Being undrafted, you get to go to a, a team if they, you know, want you there, of course, and they it's a pretty much a tryout. Like, hey, come over here. We're going to bring about 40 other guys, but we're all going to – like maybe 15 other guys, but we're going to try you guys all out and see who can stick. And the Patriots were the ones who picked me up and wanted me, which was awesome because of um, who they are. You know, the Patriot way, Bill Belichick, Tom Brady, the legacy and dynasty and the history the past two decades – um, in NFL football, the Patriots have their name is always up there in the Super Bowl, or AFC Championship. There's, there's their names are always up there. So it was it was crazy for me to get there. At first, I was like, "Dang, that sucks." I do not like the Patriots at all. <laughs> like, I do not like. I'm, I'm not a fan of Tom. I'm not a fan of Belichick and all that. But of course, that was like the smallest like worry because I'm like I'm super like right when they of course want you. 
you're a super huge fan. Oh, I love Brady. Right, I love. Right. But deep in my heart, I was like, dang, man, I grew up always wanting to beat these guys because I was a Dolphins fan. Mm-hmm. And the Dolphins are in the same conference and they just got bumped on every year <laughs> by the Patriots, you know? <clears throat> so, um, Ricky Williams was my favorite um, NFL player, and that was the guy who I watched. So, um, the Dolphins were my team growing up. <clears throat> but getting there, man, it was just a crazy experience. Um, getting to that place, you know, you walk in and you start seeing all the championship rings and the cha- championship trophies right when you walk in. And then you start working your way up. But right when you walk in, you see a Hall of Fame, the Patriot Hall of Fame of all the dudes who came there and balled out. Their names are there forever. Their jerseys are there or they have a p- cool picture of them, um, uh, you know, a live game picture or whatever. And they have their names all there. And then as you go in, like from the walls um, just like walking in, you, there's just history and, and it just builds itself up all the way until the, the, the day, the year it is and, and the season that, you know, the, then it was the 2017 season. Um, so, um, knowing, I mean, getting there, man, seeing Tom Brady, Dante Hightower, um, I had a, um, a guy that I was familiar with there, Kyle Van Noy, who just switched over from the Detroit Lions, and they won a Super Bowl the year before. So I got to see him. You see Julian Edelman. You see all these guys, the McCourty twins. Um, man, Tom Brady, of course. Um, Bill Belichick, man. I was just like, man, this can't be real. That's cool. And I don't care what anybody says. Every day I was starstruck, even though I was like, man, I want to – I want to get a starting spot and I want to compete and I want to, you know, take this job for myself every day at work coming in and just calling it work, first of all, and then going into a locker room and seeing Tom Brady and all the guys and just just like you're part of the team. You're just like or trying not to be a part of this team. You're just like, dang, this is crazy. And um, I just feel like the the culture there is just. Um, this is the way, and that's the way we're going to do it. And Belichick runs that ship, and he runs a tight ship. And it's very details. It details, details, details. And and the details might be the most easiest fundamental football talk ever. But he's going to remind you every day that that's what's important. And um, it was a great experience having, um, you know, to be in a room with them and to and to learn from all the guys there and to learn from the coaches there. But you got to also think, if you're a coach or player within this league, you you are the elites of elite. You know, yeah. you're, you're the top you're the top dog. Um, so sh- I give 100% props to the, everyone in that um, organization and and uh, the experiences that I've, I've uh, been um, affiliated over there with, man, it was crazy. And um, I think the culture there, like I said, is what always pushes them through each year is that there's a culture and there's that that's the culture of of how you're going to play football in a Patriot jersey and a Patriot helmet and um, that was the culture that that Belichick runs and he like I said runs it very tightly and and everyone follows suit so I think it's important to to kind of uh, highlight those emotions of kind of just being on a high um, entering the NFL this is two, 2017 yep uh, because uh, not long after you joined the Patriots, um, there was you, 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 uh, you hit a really rough patch, and uh, and you got into a pretty bad car accident, right? In in 2017, mm-hmm. while during your time with the Patriots, and um, t- t- tell us a little bit about that accident and how that kind of affected you and and, and your wife, who was also in the car with you at the time, right? 
and uh, and then did and did it have any impact on on your career? Um, so, man, now that I'm thinking, could have, yeah, it for sure was. Um, I think it could have been 2018. Okay. I might be tripping because my I went from 14, 16, 17 at BYU. Anyway, um, yeah. When I was over there at the Patriots, I made the team. So let's just skip ahead. I got I got to make the team, and it right. was the best. Like I was just like, man, I've been working really hard during OTAs, during rookie mini camp, during uh, training camp, and this has been the craziest thing. But these guys want me, and when I got to sign that, that was one of the biggest stepping stones in my career because I knew a team wanted me, and I knew it. I knew they wanted me from the get because they called me afterwards but if they really wanted you they would have called your name within those seven rounds mm -hmm. and they they did you know have to alter the the draft picks that they did bring in because they signed a couple of undrafted guys so they um the opportunity to just make the team was huge and that was a huge stepping stone but i knew i wasn't done i knew man i have an opportunity to learn from um, a lot of guys that have been in the league and learned from a coach that has been, um, of course, like you said, um, arguably one of the best coaches to ever coach, um, all that. I, I was super grateful, but I knew it was time to, to learn and time to just take it to another level. Um, so I was I was uh, not really getting any game like game time. I was more of like, oh, you're inactive, you're active. There's um, It's a little confusing to talk about now, but I was always inactive. I got active a couple games. Um, but around like the sixth or seventh game, uh, my wife and I were coming home from uh, a date, and yeah, a, a drunk driver hit us. We were stationed at, we were stopped at a Red Arrow, getting ready to turn onto our street of where we live, and um, he came in. Uh, it was a jeep. He was in a jeep, and we're in a, her, my wife's small little sedan that she had through high school, and we're stopped at the red light, and he slammed us going about 60 miles per hour directly behind. And um, that took me out that season. And that was, that was probably one of the um, craziest experiences. But then again, my wife and I found the blessings and found all the good fruit that came from that, uh, um, that accident. And we ran with that. And um, it made us stronger, made, us, made me want to work harder and got my mindset right. And I... It, it might sound crazy, but I think that was something that that just, you know, resetted more of like my wife and I just like, man, what is really important to our life? Because you almost take a step back like, man, we almost just died. Um, but it just sucked because I'm like, dang, I just barely made the team, had this crazy high of, man, I made the squad and then I'm getting opportunities to play. And then, boom, you know, the opportunity gets taken away because someone else's decision to to get intoxicated and drive. How do you how do you get through that? Because I would imagine that might be one of the lower points in 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 your career. Or if I was in your shoes, I'd be like, you know, what I mean, hey, I'm 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 firing on all cylinders right now. My dream is becoming a reality. And like you mentioned, it's not your decision. Someone else made the decision, and it impacts your dream. But it sounds like you were able just to kind of fix your mind and and press forward. Is it? Um, how do you do that? Well, first, it was the craziest and scariest thing because I, I for sure thought my, you know, I for sure thought Cass was, uh, Cassidy's my wife's name, by the way, and I for sure thought she was, you know, deceased, and I for sure 100% thought that it was my fault. 
So growing up in my family, we always talk about car accidents because I never gotten one, and a lot of them have. And and I'm just like, man, I'm, man, you've crashed a car, so <laughs> you could just be quiet, you know. Like right. I haven't crashed a car yet. And I always told them, joking around, you know, growing up, that the only way I'm going to crash a car is if I fall asleep or someone else hits me. And I thought I fell asleep. Um, so I'm sitting there. They take cast out the car. We're 100% squished because we hit the car in front of us. The jaws of life are cutting cutting open the car, and you know, so I wake up to the jaws of life and them taking Cass out of the car. Cass is, you know, bleeding out of her head and there's blood everywhere and um, glass everywhere. And um, it was like literally like a movie scene. I'm just like, no way, what just happened? And then I started trying to put it all together. I'm like, I think I fell asleep. Like, I know I, it was a it was a Wednesday, so like, or a Tuesday night. Um, so we were off that day and that night uh, we went out. So like, I knew, um, man, maybe I was tired from practice. like. Maybe I fell asleep, man. I think I just killed my wife. It was the most, it was like the, it's probably the hardest thing I've ever, I, like I ever gone, um, had to go through. And, um, and um, knowing that, you know, um, uh, uh, you know, your best friend and the, the love of your life could be, could be gone and, and it's your fault. Um, at first, I'm like, dang, this is crazy. I can't believe I just did that. Um, and I'm not getting no answers. I can't move. My legs are smushed. I can't move. So, like, my adrenaline hit. And I'm trying to be Superman to help. But I can't move. So, that was that was probably the hardest thing. Because you're like, man, I'm like, like a foot away from you. But I can't help you. Um, so, they... <clears throat> They take me, they take her, we, they separate us. They take me to Rhode Island, they take her to um, women's, uh, um, Boston Women's Hospital or whatever, it's down there, um, because you don't take two trauma cases to the same room. And then about three or four hours, man, I get, you know, uh, later I finally get the call, um, you know, but during that time I'm calling everyone I can. I'm calling the church, I'm calling the um, the, the elders, quorum president, the bishop, and all them, so if I can send some people to my wife and make sure she's okay, and calling her parents and calling my parents and just trying to get everyone on board to know what just happened um, to inform them. But, like, three hours later, I finally get the opportunity to, to hear her and um, get a phone call saying, like, hey, I'm okay. Are you okay? And, man, those words were uh, probably the best words that I've ever heard in my life, you know, and... Um, uh, so that was just a crazy experience. You know, I broke my back, <clears throat> excuse me. I broke my back, uh, my knees, uh, tendons, all knees, um, whiplash in the neck, I had a brain bleed. I broke teeth, swallowed them. Ankles were, um, strained a lot of the ligaments in my ankles and feet. Um, Cass had nine broken ribs, broke her pelvic bone in six different uh, places. Um, she had, uh, 17 staples in her head she had a concussion that lasted two weeks so like people would come in and out we didn't get to see each other for three days and there's a cool video i don't know if you guys want to put it on um during this time there's a cool video of me um after the three days were apart where i i enter the room and finally see her for the first time it's dope it might make you cry so grab a you know tissues. little tissue um 
but we got to hang out with each other in the hospital for you know a week, uh, a week or two. And during those those times, she didn't even know like who was coming in and out, and she was texting random people and all this stuff because she was just still concussed. Um, but um, the biggest thing is that we knew we were alive, and um, when I when I knew that she was alive and and she knew that I was alive, I'm like, man, we got it. We can still do what we were doing before. There's nothing that's gonna stop us. And that was the mindset for me to get over everything um, from the injuries, from the mental uh, point of view, which a lot of people gotta consider when people get injured. Man, the mental part is one of the hardest things to get over. Uh, bones and all that stuff, you can find ways to uh, get that back um, working the way it should work, but your mental game has to stay strong. And, and it was great to have her and a lot of family members and friends to come through to help us during that time. Um, but knowing that we were alive and we still had each other, we knew 100% that, yo, we got this. Like, you're alive, I'm alive, I'm gonna push you, you're gonna push me, we got each other. So let's let's just um, put all the little crying aside, the nights where we cried because we couldn't even, you know, snuggle or do anything. We just laid in bed side by side for, you know, three weeks and couldn't do nothing. You know, we just tears coming down of our eyes like, man, will we ever be normal again? Um, those times was push it aside and let's just work. And uh, that was the type of mindset to get me past all that for sure. That's powerful, man. I yeah. appreciate you uh, sharing that kind of, you mean, uh, more intim intimate part of your experience that, that you went through. Yeah. Um, really powerful. Um, two questions um, to be before we wrap this up. Um, you, uh, after your time in, in New England, you move over to uh, play for the New York Jets, where you're currently at right now, mm -hmm. and you're doing well over there. And and also, it's worth noting in in during this time, uh, you have your first child, uh, Rad, right? Yep, Rad. And Rad just turned one years old. Yeah. Shout out to Rad. Yeah, he's getting old, man, growing on us. Yeah. And so, uh, and, and and so now you have Rad, and, and I only bring that up because I, I wonder if that has anything to do with uh, with this. Uh, you mean second to last question, which is, um, and we have a lot of mutual friends who who uh, have played in the league, and it seems like kind of one of the common themes uh, throughout. You know, once you hit this level, because it is it is different when you get to the NFL. It's uh, the team camaraderie aspect. You mean changes because, uh, and I don't think a lot of people realize that. Where you know, mean while. Well, every every time you play the game before you get to the NFL, everyone's kind of um, shooting for the same thing. As long as our, our team wins, that's what we want. Once you get to the NFL and it becomes a job, you mean the person behind you is rooting for the team, but at the same time would love to take your spot. Yeah, and uh, and that that's you mean that kind of changes the dynamic. It's a unique working environment for sure. Yeah, um, and so and and that it seems like a lot of uh, and there have been a lot of players who kind of speak openly about this. Like uh, it it can really quickly drain the love of, of the game that that a, a lot of people loved for their whole life, right? And then just within a matter of a few years, uh, some players are like, "Man, I can't I can't stand the game anymore because you mean this aspect of it." Um, and it seems like those who uh, are successful in, in the game uh, often find a way to stay in love with this game, football, right? Yeah. Um, how how do you stay in love with the game of football considering? You mean there's finances involved now in terms of you mean your teammates and and people getting paid different things depending on performance. Um, how do you stay uh, in love with the game? Yeah, that's a those are great questions. Um, so switching over to the Jets, 
Um, I had an opportunity over there, and then the very first season I get there, I tear my tricep, so I was out for the uh, 2018 season, and then the 2019 season I had an opportunity to play um, all 16 games and had an opportunity to be a part of a great up, upcoming team our t and getting to know all the team um, better and to travel with them and um, to um, talk uh, within the coaches and all the great coaching staff, man. Um, um, moving um, over to that organiza organization was the best thing for me and my family at the time, and and we wouldn't take it back and switch up anything. It was tough. You know, we left the Patriots, and then they won the Super Bowl that next year. So I'm like, dang, we could have stayed and won a Super Bowl. But that was the only small little sliver, like, man, maybe I should have stayed. Other than that, I knew 100%, like, nah, the Jets is 100% where I, I need to be and where I want to be. Yeah, that's cool that they won a Super Bowl, but we can do that here too. We have, we have the the people and the coaches and everyone to do it here. And that's the type of mindset that I wanted to bring to the team, like, yo. And that's the type of mindset you got to go because it becomes work, like you said. So this is crazy that you bring this question up because I tell everyone, like, it's almost the saying, like, oh, the grass is greener on the other side, you know. Um, but if I could go back and play any football again, man, I would go back and play in my Little League teams um, with uh, Carl and – um, our little league Bingham team or um, going and playing in my senior year, junior year at, at Bingham and, and, and riding out with the boys that I hang out with and I call friends. I go and like I said, you have friends and homies on the team now as, a, as an NFL player too, but those are the guys, you know, you have the sleepovers with, you're, you're going on dances with and, you know, those are your boys and you go kick it with after games, you know, we ride out to Bethel's, grab a burrito, then we dipped out to the shack and everyone chilled out. The shack and it was just that like that unity and that um, that brotherhood that you really talk about like man dude like hey I got your back like yeah. when we go play I'm I got your back and you get into the NFL and like you said um, it becomes a job it becomes who can do it better consistently um, not really who can do it better but who can do the job at the uh, you know at the um, at the highest like um, level that you can but do it consistently and do it over and over and over and over doing it right over and over and over and over consistently every day because if you're not there's another guy that's waiting to just take your seat and it's a unique uh working environment because you know we're sitting in a room with you know all your your you know your teammates and your bro your bros and the guys you go hang out with but you're also like dang i want i want that starting job like i want to go and do that and I want to uh, work and do everything I can to to show the team that I can I can earn their trust and, and do what they want me to do. And that's just in the competitiveness, I feel like, of all of us. But um, as you do become a part of the team and you do understand the roles that the team just wants you in, you just got to do those roles to the best of your abilities. And then you focus after all the the time and efforts and becoming that role that they want you to be, then you focus on always being prepared if, if there's a tragic injury or if, you know, something just happens where that person in front of you can't play and you're up and you got to be prepared. Um, so everyone has that, but you got to also, like we discussed earlier, you got to control what you can control. You can't control the depth chart. You can't control um, what is needed on the team and this and that and the other thing. All you can control is whatever your role is, is to 
be the best at that role and then be prepared to take on another role. If that other role is something that you want to really do, like me, I'm an outside linebacker, but I love the inside linebacker position. And seeing the C.J. Mosley, who's our starting middle linebacker, just the way he works and the way uh, that, that he does things, I'm like, man, that is, th that's what I want to do. Um, but right now they want me somewhere else, and that's what I'm going to be until – um, I get an opportunity to show that I can do that. That's who I am, and that's what I'm going to be. And if it's special teams, if it's outside linebacker, whatever it is, I'm going to craft that because that's what's paying the bills. Um, so it's weird. You come in, you go in, you do your job, you go home. You know, sometimes you go kick it and hang out with your friends, and I mean with the teammates. And sometimes there's team activities and all that. But it's almost like you're offending another person if you're like, "Yo, Will, after practice." You want to leave your family for another two hours, even right. though we left them all day. Yeah. You know, we've been here from seven and it's four o'clock. Hey, let's go and hang out at the bar and play pool for three more hours. Right. Like, you know, your wife's not going to care that you're gone. No, you, you almost feel offended, you know, yeah. for asking people for more of their time. Um, but there's a lot of guys that are still single and still want to go out and do all those things. But me, I'm in a different situation. Like you said, I have my first son. My wife's pregnant again. Um, it's a girl, so we have a boy and a girl. It's crazy. <laughs> and, um, but I have a wife at home, and I have bills to pay, which is the working part of like, dang, I can't believe I get paid to do this. And I have to keep finding, of course, the joy, like you said, like how do you find joy in football? Well, freak, it's football. It's a game. I get to play a game. And so when you, when you bring that yourself back to like, okay, I could be pouring cement or I can be running in cleats in the hot weather. Either or, I'm in the hot weather, but hey, I got to play a game instead of freaking work under Joe Schmo. And if the cement ain't right, he going to fire me. You know what right. I mean? So, like, there's two different ways. You can look at it as, like, work is work. Or you can look at it as, like, man, what an opportunity I have. And that's where I look at it because I get reminded from my, my humble roots. You know, I'm Tongan. Um, have Samoan in me, too. But those roots always bring me back, like, man, I can't believe you out there, man. Like... Well, you know, all those guys and just like everyone else's supported system, they bring you back to like, man, I'm playing a game, but there is bills that need to be paid. And I do have a family that that, that I have to provide for. And um, and if I want to keep doing that while playing football and, and doing that and making football the, the number one thing for me to do my responsibilities as a husband, as a, a father and, you know, down the list then I got to craft and I got to be that guy who can do it consistently, you know? Thanks. My, uh, my last question is this. When you, when you consider everything from, from start to finish or start to where you're at, I know you got a long ways before you finish, um, personally and professionally, uh, the highs and the lows from, you mean, running around as a teenager, doing what teenagers do and learning from those mistakes to achieving your dream in, in playing for, uh, the NFL to the car accident to where you're at today, everything. What are what are you most grateful for? Um, man, that's that's a great question. Um, well, I'm most grateful, of course, for my wife. I'm 100% grateful for her. Um, we got married my junior year, and ever since then, she's been um, holding it down for me. Um, um, it was like the end of my junior year. Um, 
that's probably number one first is my family, my wife and my kid. And then second, I will, I'm 100% grateful for the family that I was born and raised in, uh, my brothers and sisters and my parents, because those are the, the, the people when you're doing things immature, when the cops come running and the red and blue lights flicker, guess what? Your, your pops is going to be there. Your mom's going to be there. Your brothers and sisters are going to be there. Some of those friends are not going to be there. You know, my wife was always there during the, when I was undrafted, you know, no one was there. I had my wife, I had my family. And you got to remember the circles got to stay tight and they got to stay um, relevant to who you are and what you want to be. And, and you'll start seeing um, circles, you know, either tighten up or they're going to, um, you can keep adding. But I'm telling you now, um, the ones that you do surround yourself with and the ones that you are grateful for and the ones that you do um, bring along during this ride, crazy ride of life or football or the NFL, those are the people that you for sure know will get your back when those times do get low and, and your name doesn't get called and you do get called in because a drunk driver hit you or uh, cops are arresting you and you have no one else to call and I'm calling, you know, Sam or Paul or, or uh, my parents or whoever it is. And um, I think that's the biggest thing is being grateful for, for those that have, have helped me get to this spot because there's no way that I did this by myself. Um, coaches and coaches, trainers, and um, of course, family and, and um, uh, my family right now, my small little growing family. Harvey Longy, man. Thanks for coming on the show. All right. Let's go.